Hi there. Welcome to episode four of the last great Stanley Cup Finals featuring myself, Ian McNaughton. Uh, we were expecting to have some Bruins writers and columnists appear on this podcast, but due to conflicting times and the fact that the Bruins are still in the playoffs, so they're taking up a lot of people's time in Boston, uh, it's, it's just me today. Uh, on today's episode, we review game four of the 2011 Stanley Cup, which saw the Boston Bruins shut out the Vancouver Canucks for nothing. Rich Peverly scored two goals, Tim Thomas stopped all 36 of the Canucks shots, and the Bruins even the series at two. Thanks again for all your support during the making of this series. We greatly appreciate it. And make sure to enjoy the episode. Welcome back to episode four of the last great Stanley Cup Finals. My name is Dan McNaughton. I'm by myself today, which, I mean, not the most ideal circumstances, but also gives me time to practice on potting myself and working on my own, you know, individual shows. Haven't done this in a while. Uh, Again, we're tackling game four of the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals, which the Boston Bruins defeated the Vancouver Canucks in for nothing. Uh, It was a terrific game, fun game. One of the most entertaining games in terms of physicality. Uh, there's a bit of goal scoring involved, kind of some weak net minding. Uh, we'll get into that later on. Uh, but I'm going to hit you with some fat, with some fun facts, some fast fun facts, fun facts, anyways. Um, pretty much, my, my favorite fun fact in this game, in Game Four, was the fact that Corey Schneider, uh, I. I don't, he's the Islanders' third goalie, I, I believe, as we record this. Uh, Corey Schneider got more time on ice than Mason Raymond and Chris Higgins in game four. Uh, Schneider had 15 minutes, 45 seconds of ice time. Higgins had uh, 13 minutes, and 11 seconds, and Raymond had 14 minutes and 18 seconds. Um, the, the Bruins. We're back, yeah, back at home. Uh, they got Bobby Orr uh, waving a, a Nathan Horton flag because obviously Nathan Horton uh, had a severe injury from the Aaron Rome hit in game three. Um, I say it's a fun fact now because of uh, maybe not so fun fact because of, you know, Bobby Orr's political opinions stance. Because um, I think in the last election, he supported Trump in in the States, which, I mean, fair enough. I guess you're allowed to support whoever you want, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, not, not, not a great look for Bobby Orr and the Bruins now kind of 10 years later in hindsight. Um, also another fun fact from this game was the fact that they were back on versus, uh, because pretty much how it's set up with, I, I don't, so I don't know how it's exactly set up with um, NBC and NBCSN now in the NHL, but essentially the NHL had to deal with versus where versus would show game three, four, and five, I believe, on versus, and then every other game, game one, game two, uh, game six and seven, if needed, uh, was going to be on NBC. So this instead of being on NBC, instead of being on network television, uh, we were on Versus, we were on cable, uh, which was 
originally OLN back in the day, like the Outdoor Living Network, and then it became Versus, which now Versus is NBCSN, and now NBCSN is closing up shop at the end of the year. So how ironic, how interesting that everything comes full circle. What do I know? I, I'm just telling you the game was on Versus in the state. It was on CBC in Canada, of course, because every big game seems to be on CBC in Canada before the Rogers deal. Um, also, fun fact, uh, Bruins time on ice in that regard. Uh, Gregory Campbell, uh, Colin Campbell's son, uh, he had more time on ice than Patrice Bergeron, uh, David Krejci, Brad Marchand. Now, granted, those guys... Uh, had some penalties, Marchand had some penalties in the game. Um, but I thought it was fascinating that Gregory Campbell, Gregory Campbell had the sixth most, sixth most, most ice time, uh, if you include Tim Thomas. Five, fifth, if you don't include Tim Thomas. Um, yeah, so that, that was cool. Um, those are really the, the fun facts I have uh, from the game. Um I'm going to do, uh, yeah, so the scoring in the game was essentially all Bruins for nothing. Uh, Rich Peverly scored 11.59 in, into the first period on a uh, on a nice play from Krejci and Sedano Chara. The other part of the issue with the Peverly goal was the fact that uh, Rafi Torres was covering. I'm not exactly for who. I'm going to say Keith Ballard, but don't quote me on that. Uh, Rafi Torres was covering uh, on the defensive zone in the neutral zone, and he got caught out of position terribly by Rich Peverly. And then Rich Peverly went and beat Luongo on kind of kind of a breakaway, um, beat a five hole. Not not a great goal if uh, you're Luongo, and also not a great defensive play if you're Rafi Torres. Um, tough luck, tough luck. So in the second period, the Bruins score again, uh, this time from Michael Ryder, uh, his seventh of the postseason from Sagan and Kelly. Uh, kind of a weird goal. It kind of looks like it dips on Luongo a little bit. Might have taken deflection off Sammy Salo's stick, but it basically just went under Luongo's glove. Uh, not a great goal to give up. Again, if you're Luongo or the Canucks defense, yeah, not, not good at all. That goal from Ryder would put the Bruins up 2-0, 849 left in the second period. Um, also, kudos to Tyler Sagan, who we were talking about earlier on the series as someone who is struggling to get ice time, got ice time, and he managed to get an assist. So kudos to uh, to Tyler Sagan for, uh, you know, contributing. Um, later on in the period, matching four on four penalties leads to another Bruins goal this time. It's Brad Marchand who's uh, getting getting credit for the goal after kind of a weird play from the Canucks defense, a turnover from Ballard, and he gets kind of tripped by Marchand. The puck comes back out in front. Marchand with the backhand puts it over top of Luongo's shoulder. Luongo gets a little bit of a piece of it, but it's more just it, it's probably going up anyways, and. The Bruins lead three nothing in mid a little over midway through the second period. You know, by this time again, it's kind of like a repeat. 
in game three where the Bruins, they have, they have momentum. Uh, they're, they're just crushing it. They're cruising, they're rolling, whatever cliche you want to use. The Bruins are doing that. And they, they are just making the Canucks pay. That's Marchand's eighth goal of the postseason. Wonderful, wonderful work four on four from Marchand and Bergeron. And the Bruins, they got a three, a comfortable three nothing lead. Here we here goes through, you know, game three all over again as the Bruins are just in control. Uh, we'll skip ahead down to the third period uh, to ta- finish off the goal t- the goal scoring. Because Rich Peverly gets the, uh, yeah, there it is. So Rich Peverly gets the uh, fourth goal of the game for the Bruins. So it starts with Lucic coming down, coming down the wing, makes it a nice move on Bieksa. He throws it in front, backhander, and it goes off Peverly and in. Um, just a, a weird goal. Shouldn't have gone in, but it went in. Luongo tries to play it off his stick. It goes off Peverly into the back of the net. And at this point, it's 4 nothing. The route is on. Uh, the Bruins are leading heavily. They're controlling play. The Canucks have no idea what to do. Uh, so Peverly gets the Bruins' fourth goal of the night. Uh, they review it in case there's any sort of kicky motion or if it was punched in or whatever. But it's a goal. The Bruins are ahead 4 nothing. It's Peverly from Lucic and Krejci. And the Bruins are on top 4 nothing. So there's your scoring from the actual game. Now we're going to move to another category I have called a penny for your thoughts, where I bring up kind of what ifs from this game specifically and how it might impact the rest of the series. Um, I'm going to start with, I think, Roberto Luongo in the goaltend, because if you watch these last two games, you notice how the the goaltending and the defense has just been pathetic compared to the first two games of the series where they were the Wongo was shutting down everything he was making big stops um it, it, it was quite noticeable in game three where the Wongo uh essentially got a, got the wad treatment and played the whole game and then game four the Wongo got pulled in favor of Corey Schneider um who would go and play the rest the f- 15 minutes the final 15 minutes of the game I wonder if I don't know if if Vancouver wins either one of those games in Boston if they have better goaltending. I think it helps. I think it could improve their chances of winning and their odds of winning. But I'm not I'm not totally sure that they I'm not totally sure that they get one certainly not two victories. Um, by, by going to play in Boston. And then that's kind of the, the follow-up to that too was the lack of offense. What if the Canucks actually got some goals where um, they, they had a combined one goal through these two games in Boston, game three and game four. Um, that one goal, I believe, came from, I want to say it was Mason Raymond, but I'm not, to- I can't remember off the top of my head. Let me just check. Uh Yannick Hansen, that's correct. So you got no goals from Henrik. You got no goals from Daniel. You got no goal from Burroughs. No goals from Kessler uh, in those two games. It, it really, it, it kind of like the Toronto Maple Leafs effect now a, a, as we record this, where 
your your best guys didn't show up when it mattered most in on the road uh, with with an opportunity to eliminate the Boston Bruins. They could have swept them. We we talked about it in the in the first episode about how um, people were you know with the with the Canucks you know beat the Blackhawks in seven games, Nashville in six, San Jose four, Boston or San Jose five, Boston four maybe like there was that conversation that was had. And I, I wonder if, you know, if they got the added contribution of goaltending, they got the added contribution of some scoring, where would the Canucks be now? Um, would they feel more confident heading into Boston in game six? And we'll talk about game six later on, but uh, it, it, makes, it makes you wonder a bit. Um, I guess the, there's not really a lot of what ifs on the Boston side of things, because I think the Bruins, for the most part, played an excellent, you know, series, especially at home. Uh, I, I, I think when it came to playing at TD Garden, they excelled. Uh, they, they played their, you know, their game plan, game plan to a T. They couldn't have asked for anything more. Yeah, I, I think if you had the Bruins head, head coach, Claude Julien, you, you couldn't have asked for anything more from this team in, in the two home games that you had. Uh, you were kind of hoping that it would change a little bit on the road, and it did a game seven of it. We'll get into that later on, but you know, you can't. You, if you were Boston, you were wanting to play more like that, how you played in games three and four, in game in game one and two. Um, but now, now you've even the series. Now it's two two. You've even the series. You're going back to Vancouver. Um, you know, you still you still have an opportunity here. To win the series, uh, you you just came back. It's it's a brand new series, really, and that that's why for the Bruins, I don't really have a lot of a lot of what ifs. Even if Nathan Horton is back in, I I don't know that it makes a, a lot of you know a, a lot of you know a lot of change happen. Like I don't think Nathan Horton was really the difference between the Bruins winning or losing some of these games. I, I think he was. Um, more again, more that inspirational, you know, giving the team a reason to play for type of uh, type of person, especially after being injured. Sure, the Bruins would have loved him, but I don't. I don't think the Bruins uh, needed him. They sure looked like they didn't need him, but they they came out strong. They came out playing terrific. Uh, you, you gotta love what the Bruins have done here in the last two games in, in game three and game four. So not really a lot of penny for your thoughts when it comes to the Bruins. Um, Dave Bolin, best moments of the game. I, I again, I, I kind of think the, uh, the or waving the Horton flag would be cooler if not for Orr's political, uh, you know, views and who he's rooting for. It, it kind of has a bit of a bad taste now in 2021. But anyways, that's not the point. Um, I mean, I, I like Lucic dangling Bieksa on the fourth goal for the Bruins. And then that that's actually kind of cool considering, you know, we talked about Milan Lucic in game two. And he was obviously never much of a skill player. Never, never has been. Probably never will be. And yet he just the exit to make the fourth goal happen. So that was pretty nice. Um, I, I do appreciate, uh, so there's there's two incidences 
that can be classified as good or bad, depending on how you look at it. I, I'm calling them, I'll call the second one bad, but the good, the first good one was uh, basically Tim Thomas giving Alex Burroughs the biggest hack to the leg I've ever seen from a goalie. Um, because what happened was that the Canucks were, had, had a pressure going and Burroughs was trying to get positioning on Dennis Seidenberg, I believe. And then Burroughs, as he was getting positioning, he hacked at Tim Thomas' stick, forcing Thomas to drop his stick and had to pick it up. And as the play was going, Bur Burroughs was standing in front of the net and then Thomas just whacked him right in the leg. Uh, and that started that started a, a brouhaha in front of the net, uh, a bit of a scrum, and really it, it, it was it was fun to watch. Like that's what I liked about this series, and that's what I liked. Uh, that's what I like about playoff hockey is the intensity, uh, the battles, the you know never never back down mentality. And I get that now in, in 2021 we have you know more of an eye on player safety and we'll try to look out for the players but sometimes it, it, especially if you're Burroughs in Vancouver and your team's playing like shit uh you just need kind of the the fucking wake-up call and the uh the let's get at it let's you know if we're gonna do this we're gonna do this you want to fight me I'll fight you and eventually Seidenberg took Burroughs down so it wasn't really much of a fight but I thought it was kind of cool uh, I, I thought it was really funny. Um, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot else. I, I, I think another best moment is kind of Rafi Torres playing defense, covering for somebody and giving up a goal in the process. Of, like he's, he's clearly hu hugging the boards at the blue line, uh, watching the puck in the neutral zone when he should be kind of in the middle of the ice. Poor defensive positioning even he's not a defender so i can't totally blame him that kind of makes me wonder if there was actually somebody with some you know defensive intelligence maybe that first goal doesn't happen maybe that changes the game but i i don't know i i think it is what it is and you gotta put up with that um pretty funny though that's a, one of the best moments of seeing rafi torres play defense and as it turns out he can't really play any defense um, a couple great saves from Tim Thomas in this game. The Thomas was so good in this entire postseason for the Bruins, and I, I think the other, the, I think the, here's the thing: the Canucks, I think, were okay with getting stopped. Like they want to obviously get the puck past them, but if you stop it, you stop it. Like it's basically your best against my best and we're going head to head to see who's the best i think what really got to the canucks by this time because in game three uh we didn't mention it in the last episode but in game three uh thomas pretty much interfered uh henrik sedine as he was skating by to get the puck in front of his net and thomas just gave gave him the two-handed shove um so then in game four, when Burroughs hacks Thomas and then Thomas hacks him back even harder, uh, yeah, you can probably understand that there's going to be some frustration on the Canucks side. Um, I, I don't know. I just think that's kind of what pissed off the Canucks a bit too in these last two games was the fact that there was an active goalie 
and someone who wasn't afraid to challenge them physically compared to the like Luongo was not really that goalie in this series. He or certainly not to the same level that Tim Thomas was. That's not quite just who Luongo was. That, that's not who he was as a player. And that's what Thomas was like for most of his career. So good on Tim Thomas. It, it helped the Bruins win, I think. I think it frustrated the Canucks quite a bit. Um, those are really the best moments I have from this game. Uh, I'll go to the Steve Smith worst moments uh, from this game. There, there, so there's a play. There's a play. Where is it here? It's before, yeah. So it's before the the um, the Thomas half on Burroughs, where Marshawn is getting a penalty because he who did he go after? Was that? I can't actually tell who that was. Uh, who was Jason Garrison? Uh, I believe it was. He Marshawn was getting a penalty for I think roughing or holding Garrison, and then as he touched the puck in the corner uh, when the play was over, he's getting a penalty. Uh, he basically just went down and basically just bridged Sedin. Uh, the other way going into the board. It's a really dangerous play. I'll, I'll probably share it uh, during the, in- on the Instagram, kind of just to point out what I'm talking about, but it's a really, it's a bridge play. It's a really awkward play by Marshawn, a very dirty play, um, which again, added to the intensity of this series, because as we, we saw in game one, we saw the Burroughs biting incident, uh, game three, we had the Horton hit and we had the Thomas shove on Sedin. Now we, we, we've had this Marshawn going really low on Sedin and then Thomas Hockey Burroughs, like now like it, it's amping up quite a bit. Um, just the intensity, the competitiveness between all the between all these players trying to win the Stanley Cup. And part of it, I think, too, was the fact that Chicago was like a little bit. Vancouver had not seen a team like the Boston Bruins in terms of just a physicality, intensity just mean to play against, absolutely mean to play against, especially in a place like Boston. I mean, Boston and Chicago were kind of the same. Nashville, it's not like, playing a game in Nashville, it's not like what it was 10 years ago. There's just a nastiness about going to the Garden and having to play the Bruins that I don't think the Canucks are prepared for and, and ready to take on. And that's part of why you see them, you know, getting outscored 12 to one in their first two games at the garden. So the Marshawn play, I, I thought was a bad moment just because of the fact it's a dirty play. It, it's an unnecessary play. That That's where it's plays like that, where Brad Marshawn get, gets his reputation. He's changed a bit at, as a, as a player. Uh, he's adjusted his game a bit, which is nice, but that's why somebody like Brad Marshawn gets a, a horrible reputation from a lot of people within hockey and in the NHL community because of the fact that he does stupid shit, like just bridge a Sedin, like a low hip check to the Sedin. With, with two minutes and 30 seconds left in the third period and they're up four nothing, it, it's just unnecessary, really. So, yeah, I mean, I can't think of any other worse plays outside of that in this game it was for the most part i thought just a really fun game to watch uh both teams were physical both teams were competitive you had a couple dirty plays but 
I mean, that you're going to have that in the playoffs. You're, we're seeing it now in 2021. We're seeing dirty plays, missed calls. Um, some teams who like to play the physical style, some some teams who don't like to play the physical style. Um, but that, yeah, that, that's just how we do it in 2021, I think it seems like. Um, finally, uh, I'm going to talk about Pierre Maguire, NBC Mike Checks. Um, there, there's a couple of calls in this game. 